that time of year, isn't it, where the adverts are on telly for the supermarkets and department stores. I'm sure you've seen them uh, this year with dragons or little boys made adverts made for £100, whatever it is. That time of year where people are preparing. But I don't know if you've noticed something about the adverts at this time of year. How they have a mixture of sadness and joy. Do you notice that? The ones that really do it, the ones that go viral, are the ones where there is this sort of juxtaposition, this kind of weird thing of sadness and hope. Joy and melancholy. I wonder which of the adverts over the last few years is your favorite. Apparently the one with penguins, the John Lewis one with penguins is always up there. Uh, do worth Googling if you haven't seen it. But the mix of brokenness and joy. Christmas seems to make it more acute, more real, doesn't it? As we look forward to the fun and the joy of Christmas, the more real the pain and the brokenness is. I was walking a little while ago in the, in the evening, it was dark, by some shops, and it was almost that reality. It was raining, dark, wet, miserable, and then you look at the shop windows and it's beautiful and twinkly and joy. And for many of us, this season, as we get ready for Christmas, is like that. That it's waiting for this joy, which seems slightly behind closed doors, whereas actually the reality for us is one of darkness and pain and brokenness. And that is what Advent is all about. The word Advent literally means waiting for the coming. When Jesus was born, waiting for the Messiah. And so we wait, and yet at the moment, it is dark. And that's why I think the tone of Christmas adverts are so compelling, because they resonate with the reality of life. Joy mixed with sorrow. Excitement and eagerness mixed with pain and darkness. We're in this period of waiting, longing for the dawn to come. As we wait for that breakthrough from heaven, which we celebrate at Christmas. And that's why Psalm 130 that we watch together is often read at Advent at this time of getting ready for Christmas. And it's summarized by these verses that I'm going to keep on the screen for the whole of this morning, whole of this talk. These words, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. That word watchman is a popular one at the moment. You may have read the graphic novel Watchmen. Anyone read that just out of interest? Yeah, one or two geeky ones amongst us. Yeah, brilliant. Made famous by also in popular consciousness by a movie. And then, of course, there's a series on HBO at Sky at the moment about Watchmen. All about superheroes trying to defend the weak, but end up going a bit doolally and a bit kind of off-piste themselves. And of course, the slogan is, who watches the Watchmen? In other words, the Watchmen are the ones supposed to be watching out to protect us. And what happens when they go awry? But the idea of being a Watchman is an ancient one. Because, of course, in an era where there were no lights, no electric lights, Watchmen stayed up overnight whilst everyone slept in the town so that they could watch out for enemies. They would be on the walls of towns, they would be at the edge of camps, watching, awake, 
in the night, in the dark, so that everybody else could sleep, knowing that people were watching out for the enemy to arrive. The truth is, survival depended on watchmen. If they fell asleep, there was real danger. And of course, for the watchmen themselves, imagine what it was like. It's dark. Everything depends on you. You are terrified. Every noise that you can't quite see in the bleakness. Every wind blowing, every whisper, every tree eek, if there is such a thing as a tree eek. You would be terrified as a watchman, and you would be desperate for what? For morning. That first glimmer of sun beginning to peak over the horizon. That first promise that dawn is on its way. And then, of course, with dawn, you could begin to see what was really in front of you. You could begin to relax. Morning meant safety, hope. And so throughout the night, you were desperate in the darkness, yes, but knowing the morning was coming. Longing for the glimmers, the rays of hope and of light. And that's the truth for all of us in this season now. Dawn is coming, but we still live in the night. Darkness is all around, and yet there are glimmers, promises of hope. And so for all of us, how do we live now in this period before Christmas? How do we live when we're walking along the streets and all is bleak, and yet we promise, we know the promise of the coming Messiah? Put it like this. We have an election on Thursday, if you hadn't noticed. Imagine for a moment, just just imagine, do a little thought experiment. Imagine if this election was different, and rather than discussions about how much money should go into the NHS and how many police officers we need, imagine that we knew that as a result of this election, there would be no need for the NHS because all illness and sickness was gone. Imagine that there would be no need as a result of this election for no police at all because all crime and brokenness was gone. Imagine how we would feel now about the election. Chances are we wouldn't be nearly as frustrated as we are because hope was on its way. And we knew that when that day came, everything was different. And so now it may still be bleak, but we knew these days running up to the hope. We could get through because dawn is coming. And the same is hinted at in this psalm. Like watchmen wait for the morning because with morning comes salvation. So we live now in this time of waiting in darkness, but with genuine, real hope. And for followers of Christ, there's three dimensions to this. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, it's great to have you with here, here this morning. You might begin to pick up some of the distinctives of what Christianity is really about. There's three dimensions to the morning. Three dimensions, as it were, to hope coming. And the first is this, that there was a day when heaven did break in. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. 
There was a day. This psalm that was read to us is all about someone needing hope. Let me read some of the words again to you. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. It's, it's bleak now, God. There's real horrors. There's real pain. It's really difficult, God. Let your ears be attentive. Listen, please. Have mercy. That's what's being expressed. And he goes on, If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? Part of the bleakness is just the reality of living broken lives. The Bible talks about sin, which is simply us being wanting to be God and therefore living our own lives rather than wanting to honor God with our lives. But the beauty of that phrase, let me read it again, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? In the original language, Hebrew, that this was written in, there are hints there of what the psalmist is saying is, if you, Lord, were watching out for my sin. See the contrast with being a watchman. Watchmen are eager for the morning, always look. There's a glimmer of light. It's there. It's coming. And the psalmist is saying, if you, God, were like that about my sin, who could stand? And of course, the point is, he's not like that about our sin. He's not a watchman for our sin. Why? Well, it goes on. But with you, there is forgiveness. So that we can, with reverence, serve you. He's better than we imagine. Verse 7 says, Put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love. With him is redemption. And how do we know this is real? Not just lovely thoughts. Listen to how the psalm ends. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. And of course, that's what we remember at Christmas. God himself stepping in for us to deal with our mess. So yes, there's bleakness. But at our first Christmas, we realize when heaven broke in, God with us. That changes everything. So yes, we may be wandering down the street in the bleakness and the rain, but heaven has broken in. Which means, of course, we can wait. We can realize the reality that not only is dawn coming, but there's elements, there's dawn now. So yes, for followers of Jesus, heaven has broken in. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Great. But there's a second dimension to it. Because heaven has broken in, because he himself stepped in to redeem Israel, as it were, he is at work now. The morning is coming, we'll get there, but actually there's light now. I love this quote from the author Eugene Peterson. Let me read it to you. Hoping doesn't mean doing nothing. It's the opposite of desperate and panicky manipulations, of scurrying and worrying. And hoping is not dreaming. It's not spinning an illusion or fantasy to protect us from our boredom or our pain. Hope is confident, alert expectation that God will do what he said he will do. It's imagination put in the harness of faith. It's willingness to let God do it his way and in his time. And that means if we're followers of Jesus, whilst we're waiting, whatever we're waiting for, and we'll come to that in a minute, we wait with genuine hope and genuine expectation for a breakthrough because morning is here. I wonder what you're waiting for. It's not easy, is it, waiting? <laughs> we live in such an immediate society. 
Somebody was saying the other day, it's great having the election at this time of year because everyone answers the door because they think it's the Amazon delivery man. <laughs> we get things on tap. We click a button, next day it's there, boom. We live in a world of immediate answers and therefore some of us I know in this room have waited months, years, decades for things. They've prayed long. The tears have dried up because you've got nothing left. And waiting is really hard. And yet, the reality of Christmas and this period of waiting is that heaven has broken in already. And so we look with expectation to what God is doing right now. I wonder, just out of interest, how many people have put your Christmas decorations up already? Just Can I say something? We got our Christmas tree at the end of November this year. I felt really bad, guilty almost doing it. But it was slightly naughty, but yet slightly fun. And I love that. I've got a, I love the houses. You know those houses where you've got lights around all outside everywhere that lights up the houses? And I love it because it's a glimmer of joy in darkness. That actually, I'm not saying you should put decorations up, but I do it because there's an element of hope is here. This is good. So therefore, we can celebrate with your twinkly lights. And so therefore, for those of us who live with brokenness and live with waiting, we have a posture of realistic expectation that the night is almost over. We talked already about this. We are so excited about the kicking off the new year with three days prayer and fasting. Why? Because there's a curious correlation between God's people getting on their faces, on their knees, praying, and God doing amazing things. I don't know about you. I need that in my life. We need that in our city. We need that in our nation. We need it in our church. And so we're really excited about these three days, 5th to the 7th of January, where we as a whole church in various different ways will be praying and fasting. Why? Believing maybe that this coming year can be a year of heaven breaking in in a variety of ways. May it be so. But also, as we believe for God doing stuff now... We also know that it is not yet as it will be. We hope for miracles, and yet also know they don't always happen the way we would want them to do. Can I be personal for a moment? Uh, living with a child with very complex needs, waiting is fascinating. Because he simply waits for the things he needs. Not the things, you know, that we all get consumed with. Food, drink, love, and medicine. <laughs> They're the needs. And I wonder, something that he has taught me lots, is what do I really need? The things I'm waiting for, what do I really need? And what are the things that I just feel would make my life a little bit more comfortable? Because in this world now, we are still walking down the dark streets. Because the light has broken in, but we don't yet see in all its fullness. We still live with the reality of broken bodies, broken minds, broken lives, broken relationships, don't we? The promise of Christmas 
is that heaven has broken in, heaven is still breaking in, but also we live the reality that it is not yet as it one day will be. And that leads me to the third aspect for followers of Jesus. Heaven has broken in. That's what we remember at Christmas. Heaven breaks in now. We're desperate for God to do good things, new things in our midst. Yes, but one day, friends, one day, the waiting will be over once and for all. The night is still dark for some of us, but the morning is coming. One of my fav- There's two of my favorite verses in the Bible. Revelation 21, let me read it to us. God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. That beautiful, intimate sign. Who is the last person to wipe away your tears? It's intimacy. He will wipe away our tears because there'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. I don't know about you. I want that now. And so we wait because one day the dawn will break. And then my other favorite verse from the end of the Old Testament, Malachi. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. That picture of a calf who suddenly starts to leap. You've seen the YouTube videos. And trust me, for someone who has disability in your sphere, whatever that looks like, for someone you've got brokenness in your life, whether it be emotionally, whether it be mentally, whether it be physically, whether it be financially, relationally, whatever it is, that joy, that uninhibited joy of a calf leaping, don't you long for that one day? The dawn is breaking. So we wait. One day my son will dance. One day. So because of that, how do we live now? I want to suggest for followers of Jesus, we should be known as party people. Christmas party season, we should be partying hard. Why? Because we know that dawn is here, yes, but one day in all its glory, dawn will break with no more tears, no more mourning, no more crying, more pain. That's worth partying, yes? And as we party... We do it as an act of defiance. Because yes, it's still dark now, but one day, you've got nothing darkness on what's coming. So we act party as an act of defiance. We also do it as an act of faith. Because to be honest, sometimes the darkness seems overwhelming. We can't see the light. We're like the watchman. Is that the sun? Not sure. But we do it as an act of faith because we know, just like watchmen, the morning will come. But we also do it as a simple act of genuine joy. Because frankly, who else has got any answers on all this stuff? If it's down to me and my strength, it's down to me having a successful life, if it's down to me being able to navigate all this mess, I haven't got that in me. I don't know about you. So it's an act of genuine joy that one day, like watchmen waiting for the morning, the dawn breaks. We used to sing a hymn when we were at school, Morning Has Broken. Anyone remember that? I used to hate it. 
But I was reading the lyrics again, and to be honest, they're a bit twee. But the concept, morning has broken. Yes. So friends, this Christmas, let's be party people, yeah?